0: Hello and welcome to Storehouse Sermon Productions with me, Chris Wicklands, And today we're moving on to Revelation chapter 21. Sorry, it's taken about, I've had about a four or five week break from this series because of Christmas and all that. So I do apologize for the break, but we'll get these last few chapters done. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed the series so far. So we're going to look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there is no longer any sea. Chapter 20 ends with the destruction of the old earth and heaven with the final judgment. However, now on the flip side, we see the new heaven and new earth in chapter 21. The text doesn't say God created the new heaven and the earth. That is to say, the text doesn't reveal if this new heaven and earth was already pre built or that it was miraculously formed in a moment or seven days. The text just says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So maybe it was pre-built during Christ's reign on the original earth, but we won't know this side of eternity, so let's leave idle speculations alone here. The question that is normally raised here is, why no sea, which is probably what a lot of the surfers are asking. Um, in Genesis chapter 1.10, it says, God called the dry land earth and the waters, that's the mikveh. it says in the Hebrew, gathered together and he called seas God saw that it was good now this is very interesting verse in the Hebrew version of the Bible as it calls the water mikvah the normal term for seas and oceans in the Hebrew is mayim or mayim and the and the high lofty waters which is the shamayim from where we get the word heaven from but here it calls the waters mikvah now this is really an important revelation in the scriptures as a mikveh is a bath to ceremonially cleanse a Jewish person from their ceremonial, uh, ceremonial defilement, And you will note it was the waters, i.e. the mikvah, that washed sin off the earth in the worldwide flood of Genesis chapters 6 and 7. It is the mikveh or baptism that cleanses sinners of their sins and enables them to be purified and made into a new creation through the blood of the Lamb. So clearly, in point, The sea is a representation of cleansing, yet on the new heaven and earth, no cleansing of sin is required. Therefore, the new heaven and earth requires no oceans, no mikvah, no baptism, as there will be no sin uh, on the new heaven and earth. That's my theory anyway, if I put it out there for you. Uh, Revelation 21 verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband this new jerusalem is the city that is above and is called our mother galatians 4 26 but the jerusalem above is free she is our mother interestingly it was scriptures such as this which caused the early church to call the church our mother for the church is the place who helps birth us and raise us up into adults in the faith I believe the Orthodox and the Catholic churches still use this phrase today, but it fell out of use amongst the Protestants over time, which I think is a shame as it really is a lovely picture of how the church is. So let's look at more scriptures pertaining to the heavenly Jerusalem. So Hebrews eleven ten 10 says, For he, that's Abraham, was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Hebrews 11:16, but as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Hebrews 12:22, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels. Hebrews 13:14, for here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. So let's go back to our first verse here in Revelation. It states that the heavenly Jerusalem is made ready as a bride is adorned for her husband. Now this links to Revelation 21 verses 9 and 10. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me saying, Come here and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. So most people are probably wondering, how can a city be a bride? At least I am. Well, it's because each gemstone that makes up the city walls is representative of a member of Christ's body. Or, yeah, yeah. Ephesians 2.19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. First Corinthians three uh, seventeen second half says, "For God's temple is sacred, and you, together, are that temple." <clears throat> so now, when you read those scriptures, understand that maybe it's referring ultimately to the new Jerusalem. Now, it's not that we are literal stones that form a temple, but every believer has a stone with his or her name on it, so to speak, which forms that temple and we get to live and dwell in that temple. Of course, it has other metaphors as well, such as us collectively being the body of Christ, all individual members coming together to form one body in Christ Jesus. Yes, these things are mysteries but we can at least grasp the meaning of these beautiful and sacred mysteries. Also uh, worthy of note is that all Old Testament prophecies of a restored and great Jerusalem, although fulfilled during the millennial reign, also find their, let's say, total completion in the new Jerusalem, in the new heaven and upon the new earth. Isaiah 2 verses 2 to 3. Now it will come about in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths for the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Isaiah 60 verses one to three. And rise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Other scriptures to consider are Isaiah 60 verses 1 to 22, Isaiah 62 verses 1 to 12, 65, 17 to 25. Obviously, their primary meaning is to do with Jerusalem being restored during the reign, the millennial reign of the Messiah on the earth. But maybe it could have also an an additional eschatological fulfillment in the future city of Zion, which is the new Jerusalem. Uh, Okay, Revelation 21, verse three. And it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be among them. And here we have not the partial fulfillment, but the complete fulfillment of these passages. Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. The term Emmanuel means God with us. Through Christ, God was with mankind. But through the tabernacle of God, he now again literally dwells with us. But not just for 33 years uh, through Christ, but now all eternity. Another scripture that links up here is John 1 14 and the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. Obviously, the key word here is tabernacle and Emmanuel, God with us and tabernacles. So even Christ upon the earth was himself a shadow and a type of the ultimate plan of God, where God would literally dwell and tabernacle with man upon a new earth within a new Jerusalem. As it clearly states at the end of Revelation 21 verse 3, and God himself will be among them. That's referring to God the Father. Now, Jesus, who claimed to be the temple, uh, see John 2.19, (coughs) or a tabernacle, uh, no, sorry, a temple, is a living shadow of the ultimate temple of God that will come at the end of the millennial rule and age where God makes all things new and reveals himself fully and lives with us fully forever. I love I love all this typology. I love that there's, there's riddles within riddles. There's wheels within wheels, mysteries within mysteries in the text of Scripture. It's just so beautiful. The more you look, the more mysteries come to light. I love it. It's just amazing. Revelation 21 verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Now that God has restored paradise in its completeness, joy now pervades the people of God. In this place, there is no pain or sorrow at all. Therefore, all tears and sadness are wiped away for the way of suffering. And all that it teaches has now passed away and is no longer required. The Old Testament also has some prophecies and promises that God and his people would dwell together. Isaiah seven fourteen says therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold the Virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. I know I've just read that. Uh, but this scripture came to pass with the birth of Christ, yet is ultimately fulfilled when Jesus returns and in the new heaven and in the new earth. In John 1, 14, it states, And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, where it states that the word dwelt amongst us, the Greek states, he tabernacled, literally dwelt, lived, habitually dwelt with his people. Again, this is ultimately fulfilled when Jesus returns, and also in the new heaven and the new earth. Now, some say that paradise is restored. uh the one that the paradise in the garden is being restored so a lot of people say you know uh when when the new jerusalem comes at the end of the age it's god restoring the paradise that we had with god in the garden of eden but the new heaven and earth i think personally goes way beyond the restoration um as this time god doesn't just come in the cool of the day but now in the new jerusalem we will be with him and he will be with us every moment of every day Therefore, from this, we can see why all sadness and tears shall pass away at the end of the age. Only joy and jubilation will be the everyday emotion. Isn't this good news? Isn't this wonderful? You know, life can be really difficult for Christians at times. And sometimes I think it's good to encourage one another with these words. It's good to look forward to the hope that we have that is yet to come. Now, I appreciate that might not help you in the moment now, but knowing that what you're going through now is not meaningless, but actually there's a hope and a purpose for us, even beyond the grave, that it should give us some at least strength of hope to endure the trials and tribulations that we go through now, knowing the great reward which lies ahead of us. Anyway, that will do us for today. God bless you and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye bye.